Good News Season 2 is all about people doing good through following their passions, good for their own souls and for others. I'm Kate Cherichello, and welcome to today's episode. Let's spread a little more goodness in the world. Today's guest is Annie Trinkle of Animal Alliance. She is the founder and executive director of this animal rescue that goes above and beyond, and she will tell you more about it. But I first met Annie back when my parents and I were adopting Lucy back in, I guess it was about 2002, I think, maybe. So, and she has been, we've been in touch ever since. And after Lucy, we also adopted Linus and Mm -hmm. they're wonderful parts of our lives. And Annie, I'll ask you five questions like I do for everybody and you can make the answers long or short. You can go on a tangent, whatever you would like. Uh, But first question is simply, who are you and what do you do in your own words? Well, as you said, my name's Annie Trinkle. I'm the executive director of Animal Alliance. And I did found the agency in 2001 after taking a one year, what was supposed to be a one year leave of absence from a corporate job in New York City. And I decided to pursue my passion after spending many years doing part-time volunteering at different shelters and with animal rescue groups. And I decided to take a year off and see where my passion went. And in the midst of that year, I had like a severe health crisis but thankfully I was fine, but it kind of crystallized for me. I was doing work I loved and I thought, why would I, why would I do anything else? So I decided to devote the rest of my life to animals. And ever since then, you know, the, the organization has grown meteorically over the last 20 years or so. And now we, we actually have a freestanding shelter for the last eight years. So we're one of New Jersey's largest private animal shelters. So, and we have a, a low cost spay neuter clinic where we have three vets that work there. So it, it's grown a lot. So I always say I'm the, the forward-facing person of the organization, but really the alliance is behind me. It's all the people that you don't see publicly that really make the organization go. So I'm the figurehead, if you will. Wonderful. And you kind of just touched on it, but can you tell more about that journey? How did you go from corporate America to going to the nonprofit world? And what was that like to say goodbye to that world, your path here? Well, it was, it was very unexpected because I had grown up in New York City and I never had a pet. So when my husband and I moved to suburbia after we were married, we lived in Hoboken and then we moved wow. to Montgomery Township, New Jersey. And my husband said, you know, I think we should get a dog because you're you're kind of almost freakishly afraid of dogs. And now that we live out here, it will be great. Because again, I never had a pet and I was like well, a little nervous around dogs. So he decided to get me a little dog, a little Maltese named Dolly. And he did purchase that dog for me. And I was like, oh, I mean, I just was like head over heels for this dog. And it's an interesting story because it goes to show you how a single person can change the trajectory of your life with, with it sometimes a simple and innocuous comment. I was out in our neighborhood walking my beautiful Dolly. And this was in the late nineties. This was before you were born. So <laughs> well, in any case, it was late nineties and and the internet was just getting going. And right. I ran into a neighbor and she said, oh, your dog is so beautiful. And I said, I am going to get a second Maltese. And she said, well, I hope you adopt it. And I said, oh, no, you can't adopt a perfect purebred Maltese. These are special dogs. And she said, you should go on a website called petfinder.com. It's just getting going and, and look up and see. And I was like, 
I, I said, I'm so competitive. I'm so eager to prove you wrong. I'm going right to my dial-up mode <laughs> and going to see what, what's up with that, petfinder.com. So it was truly my first time on Petfinder. And it, it was, Petfinder was probably around for six months at that point. So sure enough, I found a perfect program with Maltese to adopt. And I was like, uh-huh. I can't believe this. And he was only nine months old and he was at the Bucks County SPCA. And the person there who became a professional colleague subsequent says she remembers to this day, I came in straight, drove straight from New York in my suit. And I was like, I would like to adopt that Maltese. And I said, how can it be that there is a, well, these, this beautiful animal and all these other beautiful animals and no one knows about it. And she said, well, probably we need more, more people like you, people from the corporate world to kind of spread the message. So she's being a little sarcastic, but I took her words to heart and I thought, boy, I'm pretty smart. And if I didn't know that there were all these great dogs in animal shelters, other people wouldn't as well. So that kind of planted the seed. And then I decided to, you know, volunteer at a couple of animal shelters and one thing led to another. And I would be sitting in corporate meetings thinking I could be helping so many animals right now. This is ridiculous. So um, again, those years of part-time volunteering kind of propelled me towards what my true passion was as unexpected as it was. I went from someone who had a city girl with no pets to someone, you know, who had now two dogs to someone who wanted to have like save so many more. And that's how the story began. So then I took that year off and then the rest is history, so to speak. I never knew that. And I definitely didn't know that you were scared of dogs. Yeah, no, I was, I I really was. I was, I was, because I never knew the love of a dog. And of course, once I, once I had that first dog, I was so in love with her that it just opens up a whole new world, a whole nother section of my heart, so to speak, that had been evidently locked up and closed to animals because I just didn't have the experience. I I love those examples of just seeing a door and just going for it and seeing what happens. And look what, look what happened. This is amazing. And just kind of the second part of your question, I think, you know, having an MBA and being a business person really, Uh, you know, launch the agency with business principles in mind. You know, I always said it was like a supply and demand thing. There were all these beautiful animals. Like we started rescuing the city of Philadelphia um, when there was a tremendous pet overpopulation problem. And I was, you know, bringing those animals to New Jersey where there was like kind of a shortage of small breed animals and so forth. So really started out as a basic economic thing, like supply and demand. And then, you know, I, I built the organization based on my business experience and, you know, uh, sometimes al- along the way, my husband said, I forgot everything I learned in business school. And I now only think with my heart, not my head. And that may be true. <laughs> but in the in- initially, I did, you know, have sound business practices. <laughs> it got you going. I'm sure it's still there in your subconscious. Constantly. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a next question about this current time, how has your world changed? with COVID and, you know, dog adoptions and the processes, is there anything that you'd like to continue that has changed because of this year? And what can you not wait to get back to once it's safe again? Well, it's interesting. A lot of shelters at first 
did close because obviously the, the threat of the pandemic and, and there was like a lot of gray zone as to whether veterinary hospitals were essential and animal shelters, were they essential mm -hmm. workers or not? And my, my philosophy was, yes, we are essential. These animals need their food and water every day and they need their exercise. So we had to stay open in that regard, but we very quickly saw the huge exponential surge in pet, you know, applications to adopt because people were suddenly at home and all the reasons that people usually can adopt a pet because they're consumed with work and their commute and their children's activities and kids are at school and all that was like wiped away. So, you know, initially some people were saying like, oh, should we adopt during a pandemic? You know, they're just going to get returned. And we really didn't at that time know that, you know, here would be a year later, still kind of in the thick of things. So I said, well, let's just ride the wave and see where it goes. So here's where it went. We went from adopting out about 550 animals a year to a thousand and almost 50 last year. So we doubled, we not quite doubled our placement rate because we were willing to, you know, work through the pandemic. So we did all our adoptions outside. We have a breezeway between our buildings. And so we were there through all weather. I mean, I seriously survived the like coldest of days, the hottest of days, crazy summer thunderstorms and lightning and we'd be huddled under this breezeway, you know, meeting people at six feet distance. So, um, you know, in the way that we operated, we kind of changed our model to working by appointment only. And, um, you know, people were a lot more flexible. A lot of times people wanted to see like every animal in the building before even thinking about making a choice. And, you know, then people were having to apply and we said, we're going to meet you once, you know, we're going to expose ourselves to you one time. We'll show you three dogs if we don't make a match. So sorry. And people were like, with their minds were wide open. They were just so happy for the opportunity. So pretty much every encounter we had resulted in an adoption. And I'm happy to say we haven't received any pets back from the adoption. So um, on, uh, to answer your question, on one hand, I think I don't want to change a thing. But of course, I, the pandemic as who wouldn't want to change that. So I think, though, that post pandemic, I think we're going to continue with this model of meeting people by appointment only um, for a select number of animals. It seems to have streamlined things and boosted our adoptions. So we're definitely going to continue that. Um, and I don't know, we just made the best of a bad situation. So I'm not sure what we can't wait to get rid of. I mean, we certainly don't want to see a decline in pet adoptions, but you know, the okay. pandemic, yeah. we'll see, see where that goes. What a way to adapt and just get on that train and go <laughs> make it work. Yeah, that's and what I said to myself. We need to be nimble and adaptive here. This is like I, hopefully we only see one pandemic in our lifetime. So this is uncharted territory, but let's not be left behind. You know, let, let's be the shelter that stays open and forges ahead. So I'm glad, glad we did that. And there's a thousand and fifty animals who are darn glad we did too. So thousand fifty. That's incredible amount. <laughs> Um, so then next question, you were obviously, you have lived through so much goodness through working with these animals. And that story of COVID is a great example in of itself. Do you have any other stories you'd like to share of either it, for your own life personally or with a client, with, with an animal that you've seen, like just something wonderful happen through someone adopting a dog or how it's changed your life or anything like that? Well, the stories just abound. And I would keep you here all day on Zoom if I were to, to go through one by one. But, you know, a particular 
resonance for me is when we're able to place a dog into a, like a, a very special situation. And one comes to mind, a young lady who had Tourette's um, that kind of mm. when she was in high school and it was very hard for her. And we matched her with a, a big fat cattle dog that <gasps> really turned to be her best friend and someone she could hang on to if she was having an episode. And her parents wrote me and said, this dog like has, is life-changing, not only life-changing, but life-saving. Our daughter is completely, you know, transformed because she has this animal. And we hear a lot of stories like that, you know, people in wheelchairs or kids with different disabilities or, um, or differently abled, uh, that the family is, relates through the animal. Like they, some, other people wrote us and said, you know, our autistic child, very hard to communicate with, but we communicate, you know, through the dog kinds of, you know, the dog's like the unifying force in the family. So that's the most rewarding is I, as I say to my staff and my volunteers, you know, we're not rescuing animals only. We are helping people as well. And for every, you know, rescued animal that's adopted and greatly loved behind that animal is, is a person, a couple, a family that whose lives have been transformed, hopefully for the better. So under the general category of goodness, I would say that I feel blessed to do work I love and blessed to be kind of the unifying force in bringing great people together with great animals. I love it. I mean, just from something as simple as our family, I mean, my parents never thought they were going to have a dog and now they cannot live without one. I mean, Lucy and Linus changed their lives completely. When I went off to college, it just became, they became their other children. You know, when I call home, it was updates about the dogs. I mean, just their, their hearts have been so yeah, filled by that. Well, you know, yeah. it's interesting you mentioned your family's adoption because that was in the very, very early stages of when I started Animal Alliance because I think I officially started like right in the beginning of 2002. So your family came along that year. And I was still like as a business person saying like, huh, you know, what's the aftermarket value of this fat little Bichon lady, Lucy, Lucy, um, who had these puppies and like, you know, she looks kind of droopy a little bit and a little plumpy and her hair fell out because she was a mommy. And, you know, I was looking at these animals saying, it's my job to find you a home, but could you make it any harder for me? You know, sometimes they were, they were down on their luck and looked, looked it. And I'll, I will never, literally never forget the day that you and your mom came over to my house and you were adorable with like, and, um, seeing how, and your mother said, you know, we, we really looked into this. We want to adopt a Bichon. We want to adopt an adult. We, and it was so amazing for me to see this dog who looks so down on her luck, just like come to life and really, really respond to you guys. And we, I had to hang on to her. She had to finish nursing her pups. And then I remember bringing her to your house and mm-hmm. handwritten out all these instructions for your mom. And um, she said, I could tell you really love this dog. And I said, I really love this dog, but I said, what, this has been so meaningful for me because as I look ahead, you're giving me hope that for each one of these broken down dogs, there's going to be people that will love that dog. And that went on. I mean, Lucy lived a lifetime with you guys, right? I mean, when did she pass? Four, maybe she was 14, I think. Yeah. Right. When she passed away. Yeah. And Linus was seven. 17. Right. And then 
I remember when you guys came, I was watching Lucy and then, you know, you came to, you were away on a trip and your family came and I had, Linus was there as a foster dog and, you know, one thing led to another. I'm like, by the way, Lucy's in love with Linus. And your mom agreed to adopt that dog. So that was a real, a real life love story. That little Linus, this big and big fat Lucy, you know, love each other. But, I remember meeting we dropped Lucy off and then we had been in touch with you while we were gone. And all of a sudden the conversation just began like, are we going to take another dog? And then sure enough, we went to pick up Lucy and we picked up Linus too. That's right. So yeah. Wonderful. I have had the privilege of crossing paths with people I never otherwise would have met in a lifetime. And I have gotten to meet some of the finest, loveliest people on the planet, like the Cherichello family and thousands and thousands and thousands of others. Um, and again, the best, I have the best job in the whole wide world. I get to meet amazing people and hook them up with amazing dogs. I mean, what, other, what else could you do? It's hard to top. Well, we're so grateful that there are people like you in the world who are just devoting their world to making it a better place for animals, for people, just nonstop. Amazing. Hey, I have one more question for you. Is there anything that you find yourself repeating to, to clients that you interact with in your adoptions to, or to the pets themselves that you just would like people to remember or to think about uh, before we sign off here? Well, hmm. I think if you asked the people that work for me, they would say my same tired out mantra is there's a dog for every home and a home for every dog. And that whether a dog is a teenager or whether it has you know issues, shall we say, there is someone who will love that animal and that animal will bring great joy. And so it's just, it's our job to make sure that we can connect the dots and bring that dog, you know, to where it belongs. So I, I would say that that's my two cents. And sometimes, you know, when we don't make a match, I do say that to people, you know, uh, walking them to their car, I say, you know, your dog's out there. There's a home for every dog and a dog for every home. It just wasn't, you know, here today. So I would say that though, though, that's my like claim to fame. My staff says they want to put on a t-shirt for me. <laughs> wonderful. Annie, thank you so much. Keep doing this wonderful work. Oh, thanks, Kate. Thanks for having me on today. It was really great. And I love your program. <laughs> <laughs>